Good afternoon. We're very glad you're able to join with us this afternoon for our weekly open-air outreach. We're here. We represent from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing uh, a local congregation. We meet just beside Thornwood Primary School. That's at two Thornwood Terrace. And we meet on the Lord's Day. That's the first day of the week, Sunday, at 11 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. We also have a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. And we would extend uh, a warm welcome to you to come along to any of these services. We tend to come out once a week in order to bring the gospel to people. Uh, this week we're here at Partick uh, Station at the west end of Glasgow. And last week or the week previous we were at uh, Buchanan Street. But we come out, friends, because we have a, a good message to proclaim. It's the message concerning the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a wonderful message. It's a message that comes from heaven. It comes with the authority of God. And it's a message that is relevant to every single individual without exception. And well, you may well ask me, why is the gospel relevant to everyone? Well, we're all sinners. We have this in common. There are no exceptions. The Bible makes it clear to us, and we take all our teaching from the Word of God. The Bible tells us, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that quite simply means we've missed the mark. Now you might say, well, does that really matter? Well, yes, it matters on a number of fronts. It matters because we are made in the image of God. God is the one who has created us. And therefore, as our Creator, we are to be subject to Him. And He has given us a law whereby we might live in the world that He has created. But we do not keep that law. And in fact, even with our best efforts, it's impossible for us to keep the law of God that He has given to us. And therefore, we do have a real predicament. God has given us a holy, perfect, and inflexible law that we are required to keep. But because we're sinners, it is impossible for us to keep this law. And therefore, you can see there is a major problem. A major problem as far as God is concerned, as far as God accepting us. He cannot possibly accept us because we're not righteous in His sight. And for us to understand something of this, we must be made aware that God is absolutely righteous. 
He is all holy. The Bible describes him like this on one occasion. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look upon iniquity. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God who made you and formed you. And that's the God who has given you commandments to live. But because of sin, you cannot keep these commandments. And therefore, we might say to ourselves, well, if God has given us a law and we cannot keep that law, then we're not required to keep that law. That's not the case. God does not excuse us. So we have a real profound problem that we cannot address ourselves. Well, if you were listening at all, you would have said, or you, you would have heard me saying to you, that we have come out today with good news. And you might well say to me, well, minister, all I've heard at the moment is bad news. Well, here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ has done for mankind what mankind could not do for themselves. How is this possible? Well, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, came down from heaven. Yes, the Son of God left the realms of glory. He left that perfect place, paradise itself. He left it and came to the sin-cursed world. And when he came, he took upon himself our form and our nature. And that just simply means he became like us. He became just like us. And he did this in order that he might live a perfect life. And that's what he did. For the time that he was upon this earth, he lived a perfect life. And at the end of his life, he gave himself up as a sacrifice. And that sacrifice was to satisfy the just demands of God's most holy and inflexible law. Now you may well, well wonder, what has this got to do with me? How does it affect me that Jesus Christ came from heaven, became like us, lived like us, lived a perfect life, and then at the end of his life he was crucified, whereby he offered up the perfect sacrifice of his life to make atonement for our sins. How does that affect us? Well, the good news of the gospel is that if we put our faith and hope and trust upon Jesus Christ, we are accepted as righteous in the sight of God. Now, to be accepted as righteous in the sight of God is to stand uncondemned before Him. Why? Because the righteousness of Christ has been given to us. That's what we find in the gospel. That's the good news of the Christian gospel. It tells sinners that Christ has died for the ungodly, and God justifies the ungodly. And God was reconciling the world to Himself in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, this is good news. This is the news that we need to hear today, and the good news that we must take on board and the good news would drive us to have a, an interest in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done. And that's why we come out, that we might 
introduce this person to you. Because the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how will you possibly call upon the name of the Lord if you know nothing about Him? And indeed, why should you call upon Him if you don't know anything about Him? And that's why we come out, in order to introduce this person to you, that we might make you aware of your plight by nature, the plight that all of us are under. We're all sinners, the Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one, none whatsoever. And we're all guilty in the sight of God. There are no exceptions. And therefore, in order to be saved, we must have our faith and hope rooted and grounded upon what Jesus Christ has done on Calvary's tree. And that's why we come out, friends, in order to tell you about this person, that you too might have your faith upon Him, that you would call out to Him. And you may well wonder then, will the Lord Jesus Christ save me? Will the Lord Jesus Christ save me? Well, what does he say? He says in his word, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, it would be a profitable exercise for you to read that in your own Bibles. And you'll find it in Matthew chapter 11. And I've quoted there for you the last three verses. But if you read that whole chapter, you would find that Jesus was talking to people who were hardened sinners. He was talking to people who had heard the gospel on many occasions. And these same people had heard Jesus preach. And these same people had seen Jesus perform many, many miracles, yet they did not repent, and they did not believe the gospel. And he was scolding them for it, because they had so many opportunities, yet they failed to take them. When the gospel would tell them to repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, they would not. And Jesus was scolding these people who had heard the gospel and who had been subject to the means of grace for a long period of time. But he says to them, in conclusion, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And therefore, we have an encouragement to go to the Lord Jesus Christ regardless of our lives. You know, the Lord Jesus has not come to save the righteous. Now that may seem a strange comment to you, but the Lord Jesus Christ has not come to save the righteous. Why? Because there are no righteous. There is none righteous in His sight, the Bible says. That's what the Bible would teach us. And therefore, if He was going to come to save the righteous, he would be saving none. <clears throat> Let me quote you one or two verses from Mark chapter 2. 
an early period in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let me just state it very clearly to you today. The Lord Jesus Christ will mean nothing to us until we first realize that we are sinners. Now, this is humbling, we know. It does not flatter us, but it tells us the truth. That's what the Bible does. It says there is none righteous, no, not one. It calls us that we're like sheep. We've all like sheep. We've all gone astray. There is none righteous, no, not one. And the Bible goes on to tell us something terrible about sin and its penalty. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And therefore, we are to realize that sin is no light matter. But God has dealt with it. And we will never appreciate what Christ has done. We will never value His person or His work until we're first aware of our sinfulness. And this is something that we must do, and we must press. When we preach the gospel, there is, in a sense, that we have to preach some of the bad news first. We have to lay down a firm foundation. We have to prepare the ground, as it were, before we present Christ to you. And therefore, we have to tell you with all humility and simplicity and honesty that our lives are not right in the sight of God by nature. God has given us this law, this law that we, we have codified and summarized in the Ten Commandments. He has given to all of mankind. For all those in America, all those in Israel or Japan or, or Australia, or Iceland, or indeed in Glasgow and Partick here this afternoon, God has given this law to every one of us. And indeed, He has inscribed that law in our hearts. It's part of being a human being. He has given this law to us so that we are without excuse. But because of sin, this law is not so clear as it should be in our hearts and minds. And therefore, that's why He has given it to us in the Word of God. And you will read about this law in Exodus chapter 20, where God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. And what's special about this is that God Himself wrote this law, using His finger upon tables of stone. And this is to tell us that this law is vitally important and that it is, is permanent. 
it is perpetual, and it is binding upon every individual. And that law is the Ten Commandments, and it begins, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. And what God is saying there is, you are to worship God, and you are to have no other gods but Him. Well, you might well be saying to me this afternoon, if you are listening at all, you might well be saying, well, I don't have any gods whatsoever. Is that true, I would ask you? How do you define a god? What is a god? A god is anything that takes the place of the one true and living God. Jesus tells us that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. That's what's required of us. But I wonder, have we kept this law then? Is it not true that we put other things before the Lord our God? Is it not true that we rarely think about the Lord our God at all? We don't give Him the rightful place in our lives that belongs to Him. Is He not our Creator? Is He not the one who gives us air to breathe, water to drink, food to eat, clothes to wear? Has He not given us every good, perfect gift? God is the one who provides. We are ones who depend upon Him. We like to think that we're self-sufficient, but that's not the case at all. We depend on Him for the very air that we breathe. He is our life-giver, and He sustains our life. He alone is only self-sufficient. We are creatures. We are dependent upon Him. As the Bible says, in Him we move and have our being. And therefore, we're considering the first commandment, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. If your affections, your love, and your devotion is given to someone else other than the living God, then that is your God. Your God may well be your work. Your God may well be your possessions. Your God may well be your property or your money. Your God may well be your spouse or your partner or your children or your grandchildren. Your God may well be entertainment. You may be like many people today, living for the weekend, preparing for Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday. How are you going to spend your weekend? Maybe that's what your, your thoughts are upon. And if the truth be known, you never really think about God at all. You get up in the morning. You never give Him thanks for the sleep you've had and for the rest you've had. You never give Him thanks for the food that you eat. All of these things that He has given to you. And maybe the only time you call upon God is when you blaspheme His name. Well, what is your God then? Well, the likelihood is 
that you are your own God. Your whole life revolves around yourself. Well, friends, if that be the case, then we have broken the first commandment. And the book of James would tell us that if we have broken one commandment, then we have broken all ten commandments. They cannot be detached. James in chapter 2, verse 10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. We're guilty in the sight of God. We're not guilty as far as a human court is concerned. We don't need to worry about a policeman coming to our door, or we don't need to worry about appearing before the judge at a court. Very likely we're morally upright citizens, and the law of the land has nothing to say to us. But remember, you will not be judged by human standards or by hu your fellow humans. You'll be judged by Almighty God, and your life will be compared with the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, that one who lived a perfect life. That's why, friends, we come out to tell you the truth as it is in Jesus, to tell you honestly, sincerely, that as far as God is concerned, we have broken His law. And that's a capital offense, for the wages of sin is death. But there is a way of escape, and we are delighted to be able to point you to this one who can take away your condemnation, for he was condemned in the room and place of sinners. What is his name? His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we would ask, friends, that you would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you might seek Him, that you would call upon Him. And we are in... Pr yes, you can, sir. Why in the Ten Commandments does it not say anything about child abuse or rape? It does. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It covers these, sin, these sins there. All, all sexual sins are covered in... All sexual sins are covered under that one. Of course it is. Of course it is. Or, or it could be covered under the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. If we properly understood the Ten Commandments, we would find, friends, that God addresses all the sins that are common today. There would be no child abuse if we would obey the commandment, thou shalt not kill. None whatsoever. And the problem with us today is we're ignorant of how wide and how broad the application of these commandments are. And the more that we know about God's law, and the more that we see how it applies to every person and to every sin that's known to man, the more that we might value the Ten Commandments. And what do we see in our society today? We see in our society today a society that has turned its back upon God and upon God's commandments. That's a very broad and general statement.
but it's true. You won't find the, the Ten Commandments up in our schools today. Once upon a time, when you go to school, you might well see the Ten Commandments up in schools. Now you will not see the Ten Commandments because we have replaced God's law with man's law. And what is happening? Because we've abandoned the Ten Commandments, we have more and more laws being legislated. Whereas, if the Ten Commandments were enacted and practiced, we wouldn't need these new man-made laws. And therefore, all our sins can easily be addressed by looking and studying and opening up and explaining and applying the Ten Commandments. We'll hear from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. We're going to take a short break and we'll ask another brother if he wants to lead us with a word. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to be with you this afternoon and to try and bring to you something of the Bible's message and the gospel which we have there for us. The Bible is relevant to men and women today. It's God's Word. It's inspired from beginning to end. It's trustworthy. It tells us about ourselves, and it tells us about the world around us. It tells us about God and about our need to make our peace with God. We are all people who live in this world, who are uh, in this world doing things that we shouldn't be doing. We all sin. We're not saying that you're bad and we're good. It's not like that at all. We confess that we are bad. Our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. But the good news that we have to proclaim is that there is a Savior. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's a wonderful message that we want to share with men and women God loved the world. God gave us a Savior. The Savior is there. Come and put your trust in Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Where did this world come from? God created it. Where did we come from? Did we just uh, evolve, as it were, out of slime? We cannot believe that. We believe that God created man, and when God created man, he created him in his own image to glorify him and to enjoy him. God created man in order to have fellowship with him. But sadly, as human beings, we like to do our own thing, to go our own way. God's very good to us in many ways. He gives us food and clothes and homes and families and blesses us with many good things. We thank God for these things. But because God is so good to us, it's important for us to respond in worship and thankfulness to Him. But sadly, we do things we shouldn't do. We all have a conscience. Our conscience tells us that we're doing things that are wrong. We know that we are sinners, and when we really examine ourselves, when we think about our own lives, we can see that we break God's commandments. In fact, everyone in the world is a sinner, but 
God so loved the world that he gave his Son to be a Savior. <clears throat> and the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world in order to seek and to save that which was lost. So it's good for us to tell you about this Savior. It's good for you to find out about him. Through Jesus Christ, you can be saved. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Believe, that means put your faith in Christ. Take him, trust him, depend upon him, give your life to Christ, and he will forgive you, he will heal you, he will deliver you, he will change you. Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born again. We need each one of us to be born again. And how can that be come about? It can only come about through the power of God. We need God's Spirit to come into our hearts and lives so that we're born again. We're to seek these things. Ask God to come into your heart and change you, to reveal himself to you, and to make you into a new person. Ask the Holy Spirit to convince you of your need, convict you of sin, of righteousness, and judgment to come. We need to be convinced of our sin, the sin of unbelief, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Satan is already judged and condemned. Christ overcame him on the cross of Calvary. And we have to be convinced of judgment to come, because the prince of this world is judged. And it's important for us to prepare for that judgment that we're all going to face. One day, one day soon, you and I will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we will have to give account for our lives spent in this world. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why, then, we ask you to seek the Lord, to seek that gift of everlasting life from God. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. For he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon We've got good news, we've got a gospel, we've got a Savior, and we would commend this Savior to you. Look to Christ, ask him to come into your life, put your trust in him, and you will have forgiveness for your sins, peace with God, and a new life in Christ Jesus. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. God made us, made us for himself, made us in order to have fellowship with him. And if we want to, um, to have a life with purpose, with meaning, with direction, then we need God in our lives. Our lives without God are lives without meaning. And we need to have that direction that he gives, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto us. The Bible tells us 
that there's two pathways through this life. There's a broad road, a broad road that leads to hell, and a narrow road that leads to heaven. On that broad road that leads to hell, there are many people. A wide gate and a broad road, and many people are on that broad road to a lost eternity. But then there's a narrow gate and a narrow way that leads to heaven. Few there be that find it. It's so important for you and me to seek the Lord, to find this salvation, and to come to Jesus Christ and to put our trust in him as our own personal Savior. And going along the narrow road to heaven, we will be saved. So trust in the Lord and seek him and follow him. God gives us in the Bible ten commandments. They tell us the things that are right and the things that are wrong. And they tell us the law of God, and that law condemns us, condemns every one of us, and we cannot keep it. But the Bible tells us there's a Savior, and he kept the law perfectly. He could say to the people of his day, which of you convinceth me of sin? Who can point out to something in my life that's wrong? None could, because Jesus was perfect. He lived a perfect life, and he kept God's commandments perfectly. And he says to us, believe in me, and that perfection will be yours. He took our sins. He died in our Roman place. He suffered the punishment due to us. And when we put our trust in Jesus, we have him as our substitute. We have him as our Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ is a mighty Savior, able to change our lives and able to give us peace with God. So seek the Lord while he is to be found and call upon him while he is near. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die? Turn to the Lord, put your trust in him, and you will be saved. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye, come, buy and eat wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend your money on that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me, hear and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. These are the promises of God, promises to every one of us to come to the Lord, to look to him, to seek from him the water of life, the living water that will satisfy our souls. So, friends, look to the Lord. Whoever you are, come to him, and all are welcome, all are welcome by Christ because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came not to bring, not to save the righteous, but to bring sinners to repentance. Repent and be converted, every one of you, that your sins may be blotted out. The Lord Jesus Christ is a mighty Savior. He can deliver us from our addictions, addiction to drink, drugs, 
gambling, whatever it is, through the power of Christ, we can be delivered from these things. He gives us power. He gives us peace. He gives us assurance. He gives to us eternal life. Look to the Lord Jesus then and put your trust in him and you will be saved. Thank you for listening. It's a privilege to tell you something about Jesus Christ. Look to him and put your trust in him as your Savior. Come and join us any Sunday at Thornwood Church there beside Thornwood School and 11 in the morning or 6 in the evening. You're always welcome. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by listening to God's Word. So listen to the Gospel and be saved. Again, we're glad to be here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing a local congregation. And we meet at Two Thornwood Terrace. That's just up Dumbarton Road. And when you come to the police station, opposite the police station, there's a hill. If you go up that hill, I know it's steep, but if you go up that hill, you'll come first of all to Thornwood Primary School, and then you'll meet our building next door at the crossroads. We would extend a warm welcome to you. Come along any Lord's Day. That's the first day of the week. Sunday, come along at 11 or in the early evening at 6 p.m. And you would be made most welcome. It may well be that you've never been to a place of worship before. That may well be the case. And you might feel a wee bit apprehensive, nervous, or somewhat embarrassed? Well, please don't, because we will make you most welcome. And we're not there to judge anyone. Despite what people say about Christians, we're not out to judge. It's not our ministry. All we do is preach the gospel. We don't judge individuals. So please come along, even if you've never been to church before. Or it may well be that because of the pandemic, that you have got out of the habit of going to church. Well, if that's the case, sometimes it's difficult to get back into the habit. It's easy to adopt bad habits, but it's not easy to maintain good habits. Again, therefore, you might be a bit nervous or apprehensive. Please don't. Come along. You'll be made most welcome. Our services are very clear and simple. We use the Bible. We read from the Bible. We preach from the Bible. We sing from the Bible. It's all in the Word of God. And we would extend a warm welcome to you at 11 or 6 p.m. on Sunday, and we also have a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30. And all of these meetings are open to the public. We are not a secret society. We have nothing to hide. We have nothing to be ashamed of. And we would make you very welcome. 
Now we come out usually once a week, weather permitting. The one good thing about coming to Partick Station is that if the rain comes, we have a wee bit of shelter. When we go to Buchanan Street, if the rain comes, we have very little shelter. So we're grateful that we're here in Partick and it's raining, but still we've got some shelter. But we come out, friends, because we want to tell you about a person. And that person is Jesus Christ the Lord. Now I recognize that you will have heard about his name. And sadly, many of you may well have taken his name in vain. They blasphemed the name of Christ. And how often it happens. And if you listen to any kind of media whether it be on the social media or in the television or the radio, it's very common to hear the name of Christ being taken in vain. And that's a breach, friends, of the third commandment. The third commandment says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. It's a serious breach of God's law to take the name of Christ in vain. But we want to tell you about this person, about the fact that he is the second person in the Trinity. He is God the Son. And he came to this world. And he became like us. The Son of God became the Son of Man. Now many people deny the deity of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, many people deny that He is God in the flesh. But the Son of God was always God. And when He came to this world, He brought with Him, we might say, His deity. His deity was veiled in His flesh. In other words, if you would if you were to look upon the Lord Jesus walking about 2,000 years ago... What are you talking about? What utter nonsense. No one phoned anybody. What planet are you living on? Listen, listen. When when you've got when you've got Jesus Christ, you don't need. Oh, that's terrible, sir. Terrible. There's there's ladies here in your language. That's terrible. Why does it matter because some people find that language offensive? Well, young children. Then there's children about here. Well, because do you not care about how you speak to people? What's your opinion on trans people? What's my opinion on trans people? What about them? You're either male or female, end, period. That's, yes, of course. Uh, At least when you go to mass, you have something to do rather than just listen to something Oh, now then. Here's someone who's really ignorant of Christianity. Jesus Christ is alive. 
is alive and is alive forevermore. No, no. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ is alive and alive forevermore. And he cannot die. And the, the young man mentioned gender. Now, the Bible is bang up to date, as you might well believe. Many people say the Bible's out of date, but friends, the Bible's bang up to date. It talks about things that are relevant today in society. And the Bible tells us that God is the one who has created. Enough, enough. Uh, yes, sir? A lot of the things you're saying are ridiculous. And what's ridiculous, sir? Tell me. I'd rather rule a grown man a gro a believing in like, uh, fairy tales is ridiculous. What fairy tale am I believing in, sir? Me and my well, best, uh, the old big a human being.